that, I guess. Good morning. This is Michael Vanderwart. We are doing another episode of Drive Through HR this week. We did one yesterday, and Robin and I are back here uh, bright and early this morning doing another one. Robin, uh, are, are you out of your pajamas yet? I think you're on mute. <laughs> but I'm on mute. We've but only done 1,600 shows, so you got to turn Shoot. the mic on. But anyway, <laughs> so see, it's 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 breakfast drive-through instead of lunch drive-through. So, so I'm on mute and I'm still in my pajamas, and it's you know fabulous. Yeah, it, yeah it's it's early morning. Well, anyway, I, pull yourself together, have another mm-hmm. sip of coffee, and we'll get going on the interview. So we're gonna I want to get to our guest. Um, our guest today is Mark D'Agostino, and Mark is. Uh, is an entrepreneur who runs a business called Connected HR. Welcome to Drive Through HR, Mark. How are you doing this morning? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Michael and Robert. Thanks, thanks for thanks for being thanks for being our guest. Uh, wanted to uh, wanted to reach out and talk to you about a couple different things, but but before before we get before we go down the 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 path of working uh, kind of a, a bit about your consulting business, you, you can introduce that in just a second, and then we're going to talk a little bit about employee experience. So. We got a couple different topics topics we're going to touch on with you today, but for the benefit of our listeners, why don't you uh, tell us about what you do and your background? So, um, it, as we were talking a little bit before we jumped on together, you know, I, I actually don't have an HR background at all. I am an entrepreneur. Um, before I started this firm, um, I started a form in 2013. Um, I had no HR background whatsoever. Learned a heck of a lot, though. Um, <laughs> I work with a, a complete team of HR professionals. Everybody's an HR professional on our team, internal and external. So um, I, I grew up in the Cleveland, Ohio area. Um, that's where the business was founded. This is the second business that I've started from scratch. The first business I had was a distribution supply business, and I sold that in uh, 2011. And um uh, the controller and I, we handled HR internally, right? And yeah. um, I was, I'm a servant leader. I consider myself a servant leader. And we had, uh, we had gotten into 50 some employees. We had uh, two locations and <clears throat> we fumbled HR all over the place. It's not because we, we didn't want to get things right. We just didn't know how to do it properly. And I wish connected HR service was available back then. <laughs> we would have grabbed it in a second. It's actually one of the it's one of the reasons when I formed connected HR, I had all those experiences in mind of you know all the things that we struggled through as as really good leaders of the or, of an organization, and we had really great people working for us, and um, it was hard. You know, it was hard, and when you got up over fifty, it got even harder. Yeah. So, yeah, we we were we had talked to a guest yesterday about the. Uh, salary transparency law that just passed in California and that affects people with 15 or more employees and that's kind of mind-boggling because we were talking about the difficulties people were facing on that topic um you know it's Robin and I have both been uh, to Ohio Ohio has a pretty vibrant uh, HR community up there both in the Cleveland area and and Mm -hmm. also in Cincinnati lots of folks and uh, one of my co-hosts I do a labor relations show with a an attorney named John Hyman, who's an employment and labor lawyer up there. So you, you may or may not have encountered John, but anyway, got a lot of friends in Ohio, um, but I don't think that you and I have met. So tell you know, tell us a bit more about Connected HR, how you, you know, I mean, you, you talked about kind of what, where you brought it from, but tell us more about your services and sort of what, you know, who you work with and that kind of thing. I will. I've known John Hyman for almost 20 years. And, awesome. uh, John, ah. John does work for us internally, he does work for our clients. 
Uh, he's become a friend over the years. So, and he's one of the best employment attorneys in the United yes. States. And his blog is unbelievable. So that's enough. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Shout out to John. Thanks. All right. Um, so Connected HR was formed because um, of the experience of where I was coming from and when I had my, my distribution company and what was lacking in the market. So for a short period of time, I got into a leadership role uh, with a the, with the staffing and recruitment organization. And again, I had no staffing and recruitment background. I was there as a, as a market leader um, and president of a division. And when I got into that, I started to talk to HR people all over uh, the region. And um, I realized how bad HR was. And I, I'll use the term bad in <laughs> small, small businesses. Across. I mean, it was literally like the, I would see the same problems company to company to company to company. And, you know, manufacturing, it was the worst. It was the hardest, right? And all the way up through professional services. Um, so I said, and then at the time, the fractional CFO was a forming business that was coming through the United States and, and really taking hold. So you typically had um, uh, past CFOs that have were were exiting their businesses. They're exiting the 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 companies that they worked for, and they were typically over fifty five years of age. And they were kind of they had made enough money. They were getting close to retirement, but they didn't want to retire yet. So they had a lot of value in the market. So these groups formed and started to conglomerate and bring in these CFOs and then disperse them to the smaller organizations as as really consultants, but they're hands-on consultants. So I looked at that model. I thought, man, this would really work for HR. Well, yes and no. So when I started to form the business, um, I was modeling it after what I saw, and there was nobody doing it at the time, zero. So we uh, TM'd fractional HR and we focused on fractional HR, really. That's where I think it was one other group I saw in Texas that did. And this is you know, back 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and somebody in England that was doing it. And um, so we focused on that. And what our goal was, I always, the, the line I always use is that human resources is grossly underserved in the small business segment. And I'm not talking about the five or 10 person company, you know, the mom and pop shops. I'm talking about the companies that are 25 approaching 50 employees basically under almost 250, but generally the space is as they're approaching 50 and under about 125, that space is really, really hard, really, really hard. Um, HR is a mess. Um, It's inconsistent. Um, And there's a lot of reasons why. And do you want to hear a couple of the reasons? Sure. Mm -hmm. What happens in a company that size, they need a higher level experienced HR person to come in there and kind of build process and build strategy and really kind of put the foundational things that are needed for HR to take hold in the company and really have an effect, right? And and do things right and consistently and work with the benefits brokers and have a knowledge of all things, recruiting and benefits and, you know, administration and compliance, everything, and especially in a changing landscape. You know, there's not one small business owner out there right now when the new federal administration came in with the new president, how things have changed and, and they're going to continue to change. Um, you saw the non-compete stuff that's coming through that they're yeah. trying. So, and that has to do with independent contractors. So um, I think what, so when, when getting somebody at the level that the small businesses needed is very, very hard because it's those small businesses, even if they're fantastic businesses, whether they're growing at 50 people a year or five people a year, it's, it's not enough for a lot of those HR professionals to go in there because there's not enough for them there to do, especially in a full week, right? 
they might be there for a few months and get a whole bunch of things done. And then they get into maintenance mode. So they become very bored. So they can't expand their career within these organizations because there's just not enough for them, right? Um, the other side of it is too, is that the the folks that are coming in there, the, the higher level folks that have, you know, um, additional degrees, additional years of experience have sat in a manager or director level role and know how to do things that maybe a, a not becoming generals doesn't know yet. Where that's needed, that type of work at that level isn't needed all the time. So it's a very small portion as they go further in their iteration with the company. And, and that's hard. So these companies have a hard time hiring somebody like that. So it's, it's actually perfect to outsource the expertise and bring in a day-to-day person that that expert, that, you know, outsource that expert can develop that folk, that person and develop that process and build their department over time. And companies, when they talk to us, and this isn't a sales pitch at all, you know, they talk about, I really want a great HR person. And I say, you have a great company, but it's not the best destination for an HR person, right? They're, you, you might get them for a short period of time and they're going to exit. Can they expand their career there? Can they can do more and more? Are they going to have a seat at the management table, right? Are you going to be able to integrate them into your business? And can they grow their career within your organization? Are they going to, they might be an expert at ABC company, which you own ABC company, but they that doesn't necessarily mean that they can get better in what they're doing unless they supplement it themselves over time. So it, it's it's very, very interesting how organizations think of HR and small, typically small businesses, the owners of small businesses, and I'm talking about nonprofits, for-profits, smaller organizations, They a lot of the leaders have not worked with professional HR in their career. So they actually don't know what it looks like. Mm -hmm. So they need somebody there to kind of show them. So how (laughs) could if if they bring somebody in the company that's at a HR generalist level, how do they how do they help them grow and expand? Right. Um, Because they don't really know what that trajectory looks like. And so in all I don't know how Robin, how you feel, Michael, how you feel about it, but I know the best HR people that I've worked with have all had strong mentors in their career at some point. All mm-hmm. of them. Um, very few are self-driven like uh, driven and where they've been able to do it. And I think that's with any career. And, and the best people have always, you know, even the best athletes have mentors, right? Mm-hmm. So when I look at these things, I, I think that that's, I really focused on that. And I, I'm a small business owner. My circle of net, my network is circle of friends. My network is all small business owners. So I think like a small business owner all the time. And everything's about money and cost and effectiveness, right? Because every dime we spend in a small business, that's, that's, we're paying attention to, right? You know, companies don't have these huge budgets and that. So working with a very, with an expertise that's cost effective, that's, that's efficient and effective goes a long, long way for small businesses. And so the mark we, we, since we got, once I figured out how to actually put, take it into the market and we learned after a couple of years of doing it, it started to take hold. We started getting referred employment attorneys, um, fractional CFO groups, benefits mm-hmm. brokers. They, 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 that's how we get all our work. It's all referral. Mm-hmm. And, um, because they're in these companies going, holy cow, these folks need help, right? And how are they going to solve for it? Um, so that's the business. It, it really is. That's the side of the, the client side. 
we can talk about how we've gotten, I mean, if you look, if you go on our roster and look at our team, I kind of giggle sometimes because I'm like, <laughs> how the hell do all these people show up? Like they're, they're awesome. All of them. And we've been able to hire very, very well, where we'll, we're able to hire folks that companies that are much larger than us, you know, can't hire them. We're able mm-hmm. to hire them. So we have a, a whole thing about how we do that. And, um, We've never had a problem getting people and we've done a, a pretty damn good job of keeping our people in the model. Cause it's a, none of the folks that have come to work with for us, not one of them since the very first person, not one of them have been a consultant. Every one of them, I, I huh. call them worker B professionals. They've come mm-hmm. from companies and mm-hmm. they're worker B professionals and they're coming into this brand new model. And it's not for everybody. We have a couple of people come in and they're like, this isn't for me. You know, even after we've onboarded them and gone like deep dive and they've shadowed and all that they get into it and they're like, this isn't for me. And that's okay. Right. Cause it's a different way to do, to do, to do your career. And, but the folks that get in here and it's tough the first two, three, four months, they're like, it's going to be hard because you're trying to organize. And once they get in there and do it, they stay. And we've been blessed and lucky. And, um, you know, we've learned a lot along the way. So and, and again, all the people that work for us are W-2. They are not 1090s. So if you go into the marketplace and you look at the HR consulting firms, and there's some terrific ones and nationwide, you know, here in the greater Cleveland area, there's some great ones too. They are all, the majority of them are 1099 models. They're not yeah. W-2. So they'd say, hey, Robin, we got a gig for you for the next 18 months. Do you want it? And you say, yeah, right. I'm busy. I'm busy, right? So it's very interesting. It's it's harder to run a W-2 consulting model, but it's also you have more control over your deliverables and you can build a team because mm-hmm. your team is there. So we always say, and I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I'll say it. We always say the mothership comes first. Like our team, our, you know, we're coming in back in and we're talking to everybody. We just had a, um, we have a team meeting about every six, seven weeks where everybody comes in toward the end of their day and we train, we train uh-huh. John Hyman has trained us numerous times. We train with employment attorneys. Um, we had somebody training training us on how to be a consultant. She was with uh, Abbasan and Accenture for her career in Arthur Anderson. So that's what we do. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's team first. So if someone's failing on the team side, we pull them in and have a little conversation, say, yeah. hey, is everything okay? Why aren't you connecting with the team? And think about yeah. it. Think about HR people. How do you guys feel about when you get into a situation, not just legal, but just something that you've got to make a decision on, you get nervous because sometimes it's a major decision. I got to make sure I got to check with the employment attorney to make sure that this is correct, right? And HR people on an island get nervous, right? Yeah. Our, our team, we can dive back in. So there, I see the chats and the emails going back and forth about, hey, I'm in this situation, don't know how to handle it, have this client, they've got this going on, has anybody have a tool for this? Do you, does anybody have this? And it's it makes you feel safer and more confident in, in the decisions that you're helping the companies make. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a game changer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I, it, are your uh, consultants, Mark, are they typically embedded at the client locations or what? Yeah. Are, what's, a, what's a typical like profile? Do they support one client part-time or a couple, you know, so that it turns into a full-time job? Is it, how, what's the setup look like? They, they, we have some people that were, everybody works at more than one client. Okay. And 80 right now, well, since COVID, you know, kind of got suppressed here, 
um, in our normal model, typically about 80 to 90% of the time we're on site. You know, there are some that are now on hybrid and, you know, so we're kind of going along with it, but um, everybody on our team has at least two clients. There are some people that work at a different client each day of the week. Well, most of our people are actually full-time. We sure. do have, yeah. yeah. Very cool. That would be, uh, that would be, that offers like a really cool um, kind of mix, you know, for the consulting aspect, you get to see different clients, different people, different problems, different industries. That's one of the things that's always fascinated me about consulting. The idea of having that variety versus just one, you know, one client base. For sure. And you have to get organized to do that. Like when you're coming from, you know, XYZ company and that's what you did all day is, you know, the XYZ stuff. And all of a sudden you're coming into this model and you have ABC, XYZ, you know, PDQ and, you know, ASAP company. You've got four <laughs> companies. You're like, you have to navigate four different environments and you mm. get to do it well. But what you start to do is your, your, your brain gets rewired in the process because now you start to organize yourself differently. Like you've always organized yourself a certain way as you left a company and went to a new one as an HR professional. Now, when you're in this new model, you're, you've reorganized how you approach your work because you have to be optimal for all these companies at one time. And um, we do work shorter days. You know, HR is, is the, I always say HR is a great time stealer, right? So anybody in HR, and even there, even if you're only in the office, like that eight hours a day in, in, in the HR world, you're getting pinged after hours all the time. You know, I, I've interviewed all, over 750 HR people since 2014, a lot. And it's a, it's a very common theme. And some of the, the companies are fantastic companies, but they, they push down on their HR folk and it's hard. And they, the, the folks get burned out over time or, you know, and especially when you start having kids and a family and you want to go to baseball games, and all that, we work a little bit shorter days. So typically we're arriving in the clients in the nine o'clock a shower. And we're usually exiting about the three o'clock a shower and they work straight through. And um, it allows them to get kids on the bus. It allows them to get to baseball games, you know, get the kids to daycare, whatever. It, it, it kind of lightens that time crunch. And if you looked at our roster, we have a, really a bunch of moms on our team. So that that matters to them very much. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a, that's a quality of life thing. And I'm sure we've gotten people like that. So they talk about when they, they come to us, they're like, oh, there's all this flexibility, right? There is and there isn't. because there's flexibility, but all of a sudden you're supporting three, four clients. That's hard, right? Yeah. So sometimes yeah. if you're at ABC company on a Tuesday and XYZ calls you on Thursday or you're at ABC on a Tuesday and XYZ calls you and you're not there till Thursday and they'll go, Hey, I need help with this. Like this, you know, the proverbial, you know, what hit the fan and we need help. You know, they've got to stop what they're doing and help them out because it's a critical moment at that time. And or even if it's just to answer some question or if a floor manager or supervisor says, I've got a situation, can you help me out? Right. Mm -hmm. And so that HR is always wired. They're always on. Right. But yeah. it's it's a, it's a different way. I mean, and you folks know this from from what you've been doing for all these years. So. Yeah, we are. We're very cognizant of that fact. Eh, Robin? <laughs> <laughs> that we are that we are um i want to i want to kind of focus back in on um one of the concepts that you mentioned which is uh you know i'm i'm this this hr consultant i'm this fractional hr leader and so i'm 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 simultaneously working with three four five different companies and each of those organizations yes different different um you know businesses different industries 
also different organizational cultures, different ways of operating, um, different goals and objectives for the business, um, which can add to sort of that schizophrenia for that consultant, perhaps, because they're working with four or five different, you know, oh, these are folks are really flexible and modern and these folks are stuck in the, you know, 1970s over here. Um, which gets us to an article that you wrote not that long ago, which talked about company culture, uh, organizational culture, and the employee experience. We kind of took a look at both of them. Um, what, what, uh, excuse me, I'm on my tail end of my flu here yet. What, um, uh, how do you define organizational culture and employee experience? Um, how are they different? How do they overlap? And what's some of the work that your team does in those areas? So I'll go to the first half of what you were asking. Uh, schizophrenia is a great word. <laughs> um, different industries, different evolutions of organizations, different type of leaders. You know, sometimes the leaders that have been at companies for 30, 40 years are a heck of a lot different than the leaders that have been at companies for five and 10 yeah. years. Yeah. They, they've been brought up a different way to do things, right? A lot of companies are t- transferring from the grandfather to the father to the son or the daughter, right? Or from, you know, the, the mom to the daughter, however it however it's laying out. Um, so there's all kinds of scenarios. Best practices, best practices, best practices. And this is what happened. And I'm going to answer this in a long way. What happened during COVID? We saw a lot of HR people getting fired because the HR people and not our HR people, the HR people, a lot of them working at these small businesses did not have their their resource base built up. When crisis hit, they couldn't handle it. The pressure came in and the owners were nervous and demanding and they want, it ended up, they they ended up changing. And during COVID, we got better. We hunkered down, we talked, we trained with uh, attorneys like John Hyman and other attorneys you know, a lot of times we were seeing things before the attorney, it was hitting the employment attorney's desks, right? We we were in the forefront of it. And, but then they, you know, employment attorneys caught up and started just to, to get, get their arms around the, the things that were ambiguous and how they were starting to form. So we trained, we already had a resource base built. We had a team concept. So we were together and able to go through very hard times. And again, with all moms, almost all moms that work for us, a lot of the husbands went back to work and then, you know, our moms were stuck, you know, not stuck, but they're with their kids who couldn't go to school yet, right? It's crazy. But we trained and trained and trained and supported our clients. So it's a big deal when you have best practices, you see what's going on. And we're able to talk to clients about why other companies are doing it this way and why it matters. And we're in an influential position to do that. They they have a choice. Like they don't have to do it that way, but at least they know that's a viable solution or options that are out there and how other companies do it. And I can tell you this from owning, you know, uh, small businesses for 20 years and being having my network of small business owners, small business owners want to know how other people are doing it and they want to do it. They want to be best in class at it. Do they, do we always get there? No, but that's how a strong business owner is thinking. They want to be best in class. How are these other companies doing it? And how can I do it like that? So that being said, um, companies think of like, you know, they they, they think of getting people in, right? And keeping them. So they think about like, I got to have a robust 401k and health plan. You know, 
I have to have generous amounts of family leave and pay time off. I need competitive salaries. Like I need performance bonuses, all those things, wellness perks, memberships, fitness stuff, um, subsidized meals at some organizations. They want amenities. They think amenities matter, um, you know, to make it a more enjoyable place to work. This is prominent in the tech world when, when they were trying to get people in house, yeah. you know, game rooms, coffee bars, nap pods, all that stuff's out there in entertainment areas. Now they have quiet zones, right? And private zones, um, employee discounts, appreciation programs, tuition and reimbursement, work from home flexibility, which is obviously is what it is. We all know what, it, what that means now, charitable donation, matching corporate programs and an uplifting and positive corporate mission or philosophy. These things matter. It's a big deal, right? But they don't drive culture. Right. You got to have some of these things in here and you got to get them right. And we just redid our benefits package for a small group. You know, we're under 30 employees and for a small group, it's, it's, it's expensive, right? And we had a, we had a budget properly to make sure our finances were in line to make sure that these were things that, that we're going to get a return on and our employees wanted. And um, so it's hard for these small businesses. They, a lot of companies make the mistake of only focusing and developing their culture, thinking all the things they just talked about are the only things that matter. Right. When there's a whole nother side of things, they forget about the total employee, employee experience. And the other thing is it's ongoing. And this is why I think small business owners need to think about human resources as an ongoing function within their business because the employee experience is always going to be ongoing and it's going to shift and move and change. And um, go ahead. Go, uh, I, I was just going to say, like, you just, I thought you did a great job of talking about how you handle your own employee experience with the way you focused on, you know, the moms and the, you know, giving them the flexibility to, get it, you know, get their kids to school, et cetera. And, you know, that's a, that's a great example, I think, of the kind of thing that employers can do on an ongoing basis to, you know, be, beyond, uh, you know, having a ping pong table or whatever, you know, or, or a great PTO plan, right? So what, what, what else? So, so a couple of things on that. So the reason that why I think about stuff like this, I have, I, I have four grown children all, all in their twenties, but you know, I had a family of four and they were, you know, fairly close in age. And um, my wife at the time, she did, she quit working to to manage the household and, and take care of the kids, right? She was home with the, the kids. And then when she went to go back into work, she was having a really hard time getting back into what she did. And because she was out for 12 or 13 years of, of not doing that. So I kind of thought when I formed Connected HR, I thought, hmm, if someone's having a baby and they, they, it's hard to find part-time HR work that's consistent. I said, I, I can focus on them else. So it was actually from personal experience. I didn't mention that at the beginning, but it was from personal experience. Um, and so I think though, you know, I, it was funny. I was just talking to Sarah that works for us and she's been with us, I think seven plus years. And I remember when we were doing her onboarding, we were a teeny tiny little tiny company. And I remember doing the onboard. We were laughing about it yesterday how ridiculous the onboarding was because I didn't know what I was doing. And I think she was like our third or fourth employee. And, um, but so I will start there. The employment experience begins with an applicant's first interactions with your company. So when, when I was in that staffing recruitment business for a short period of time, 
when I would go out and talk with HR people, it was typically not in, in at the time I was considered a vendor, right? Mm-hmm. And I would go in and talk and it was the experience of me walking in there because they were kind of the front door of the organization. It was consistently not good. And I know that they have to manage who's coming in and out of the business. But when I started to talk to employees that they were hiring, they were feeling the same way. So um, that's got all, it's all shifted nowadays because of, of trying to get enough workers in that are strong workers. The employment experience begins with the applicant's first application, first interactions with the company. Yep. Whether it's electronic, whether it's um, uh, phone screening, whether it's a face-to-face interview, face-to-face video, um, are the company representatives responsive to answering questions? Um, how does someone feel as they're brought into an interview? How do they feel as they're entering the organization? And what impressions do they come away with? Mm-hmm. Huge, huge. Yeah. And it starts at the very beginning. So some companies will do it where they're, it's really glitzy and it's almost like a little bit salesy and like, this is a great place to work. So then the next phase is what's your onboarding process look like? So if you're really good at that, you better be damn good at your onboarding process. It better be consistent flow. Because, you know, you could have an awesome person that does your recruiting, you have an awesome recruitment process, and you're getting these people in, and all of a sudden the onboarding process stinks. <laughs> so it's inconsistent in the employees. The I don't care what position they're in. I don't care if it's entry level all the way up to, you know, top executive. They're going to feel the same way. Um, what expectations have been set and perhaps not met within the first weeks or months of the job, Right. I know how we are. We have clients coming on. We have a bit of a backlog of clients right now. So when we're short a, a couple of people, when we get them out, we got to get them out producing right away. No, we have to pause and get them onboarded and concentrate on it and not skip the damn steps because mm-hmm. it does affect their total experience as they're coming into the organizations. Do we do it every time? No. <laughs> in a perfect world, we would because we've got to get production out. We've got to get these folks out, especially when the clients are like, we need help. Get us get somebody out here now. So we do our best. Um, you know, who are the touch points for the employee through their experience? How involved is ownership and management? Small business owners got nervous during the talent crunch because they're like, I can't get people. I can't actually, I think small business owners have the advantage. Because the owners can step down and give their personal touch, where if you're going to a bigger organization, you're not going to see the owners or the top executives, you know, you're, you're levels away from them. And I think uh, the business owners, you know, if, if Sally, the business owner can come down and talk to Ron, the new hire, that that goes a long way. You know, even if Ron gets nervous and doesn't want to see Sally all the time, Sally said, Hey, I appreciate the fact that you're here. And I know that you made a choice to come here and we're going to do the best we can for you. I'm glad you brought up Sally. Robin's on mute again, but she's uh, super fond of uh, Sally, the HR lady. So uh, we're actually I'm, I'm, Sally's I'm a, the go-to name. Sally is. <laughs> yep. We 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 talk about our HR ladies. I I'm I'm gonna I appreciate that. I appreciate all that, Mark. Um, I'm I, we're running up on time, and so I I would uh, I'm gonna go to the ends here. Um, and appreciate appreciate you being a guest on the show. Um, great conversation about your business. I did have one, uh, you, you didn't get to one point and you guys just opened in Austin, Texas. So you made the jump from the North to the South. And I was curious what you have going on down in Austin. 
Well, so we, we are established in Northeast Ohio, greater Cleveland area. So Cleveland, Akron, Canton, um, we, we have clients in Columbus. We have clients, we have a couple employees in Pittsburgh. We have clients in Pittsburgh and we have clients in Detroit. So it's kind of a regional thing, but the predominant 80% of it is there. So we wanted to get into a, um, we looked at markets. I looked at various markets around um, all, you know, Chicago, New York, all, all things looked at in Phoenix and, or in the Phoenix area. And uh, Austin, you know, Texas is, is on fire right now. Yeah. And Austin is, everybody here is Tesla. Everybody here is Samsung. Yeah. Everybody, you, all the massive amount of companies, even though they've had a fair amount of layoffs there. Um, I have a, you know, I'm down in downtown Austin. I look out the window and I see cranes everywhere. And I see, you know, the Indeed buildings over there, right? I walk past Google. I walk past um, all these, you know, crazy companies are headquartered down there and or have huge regional footprint down there. It, I will tell you though, it is a small business Mecca. Mm-hmm. There are so many seeds of uh, rounds of funding coming through. There are so many small businesses that all of a sudden start with two people are now at 55. Um, and these business owners down there are engaged and they're, they're ready to go. They're ready to slay the world, right? They're, they're working their butts off. Um, they feel the opportunity. It is, it is a very vibrant uh, business community, that whole Austin region. And we want to be part of it. And we know these services can be very effective for these companies. And um, so that's, that's really, it's really pretty simple. We just, we targeted it and we went down there and we're going to do, so we've integrated into the business community and we're starting to pick up clients down there. So we're super excited to be down there. And, and the folks down there are awesome. Great set of great people down there. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. That is, that, that's a, that sounds like a great fit. Robin, mm-hmm. did you have any final questions? No, I don't think so. Just okay. would like to um, uh, let um, let Mark tell us uh, again what great places online where our listeners can find him, and we will make sure those are linked to in the show notes. But how can folks connect with you? Well, you know, jump to our website. We spend a lot of time in our content on our website. It's connected-hr.com. Um, and I'm always open to connecting with people on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn's great in the HR world, right? And it's, it's, it's wonderful to connect and we, so reach out to us, uh, reach out to people on our team. If you have questions about the business or if you, you know, just want to talk about your career, like maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if, if you live in Wyoming and you want to look at doing something like this, like, how do you go about doing it? Happy to have a conversation. Awesome. Fabulous. Well, th- well, thanks so much for being our guest on drive through today. We will, uh, We'll get the show posted up probably later this afternoon and I'll send the link over and uh, it's great to have you on and good luck with your future endeavors. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks so much, Robin. I'm like, I appreciate it. Happy new year to you. Well, same Happy to you. new year. All right. Well, we will, uh, we will end the show and uh, see, hear, see or hear everybody next time we're on. Thanks.